and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We are continuing our sermon series developed by Andy Stanley called Resolutions. And last week we concluded with these three important critical questions. They are, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? And we've been asking the same question for a couple weeks here. And I think for, for some of you here, you, you don't know the answer yet. Or you do know the answer, but you're not quite sure. Or for some of you here, you're saying, nothing breaks my heart. I've been thinking about it, and you know what? Nothing breaks my heart. And my guess is, for some of you who are in that position, the reason nothing breaks your heart is because something broke your heart years ago and it hasn't healed yet. And so when I ask you what breaks your heart, you go into defensive mode, you're like, nothing. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to know the answer to that question. And so if you're in this place, I, I want to share some, some encouraging words for you. Jesus wants to heal your heart so it can get broken again. That may not sound encouraging, but it really is. Because Jesus wants to heal your heart from what happened in the past. Whatever brokenness occurred, however it occurred, Jesus wants you to know that he loves you. And that slowly, day by day, he's going to take that hurt away, he's going to take that anger away. It's going to take that fear away. And the goal for you is not to work at it. Because the harder you work at it, the worse it gets, right? You know, like, I just don't know. Stop being angry at that person. Stop being angry. I'm going to stop being angry at that person, right? It's just, you just kind of focus on it. And so what I've done in my life is just to say, Lord Jesus, this still hurts. I need you to heal it. And he does. Sometimes it happens overnight, like Louis Zamperini in the book Unbroken. A true, incredible story. Uh, I encourage you, if you haven't read it, read it. Sometimes it takes a while. But Jesus is going to heal your heart. And he'll do it by his grace and by his presence. But he's going to do it another way, too. And the other way that Jesus will heal your heart is by inviting you back into that place and inviting you to serve people who have been broken the same way you were broken. Because you understand them better than anyone else. There are some people in this world that I try to help, but I just, I just can't help that well because I have a hard time understanding what they're going through. Because I've been broken that way. So when God heals your heart, he's going to do it in those two ways. He's going to heal it by his grace, his promises to take care of you. And he's going to invite you back into that brokenness to say, okay, this is what you've gone through. Now here are some other people, and they're three, four, five, ten steps behind where you are right now. I'd like to invite you to jump in there and walk with me. So what breaks your heart? Who's doing something about it? 
someone's probably doing something about it because it broke their heart too. How can you help? Those are the critical questions we asked last week. And they're critical for followers of Jesus. They're critical for the church. Because to be quite honest with you, we as the church for centuries have not done a good job in this area. We, we just haven't. We're really good at believing the right things. We're really good at that. But when it comes to doing the right things, that's where we, we fall short as the church for centuries. Because here's the truth. You are good with Jesus because you believe the right things. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And he who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So he said to Martha. Martha says, yes, Lord, I believe. You are good with Jesus because you believe the right things. But if that's all that Jesus had in mind for you, he would have called you home right after your baptism or right after you professed faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Can you imagine that? Be like, yes, Lord, I believe that you are... You're the one who died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you are my Savior. And God would say, yep, all right, come on home, buddy. And God would bring you home. Because home in heaven with Jesus is a whole lot better than here. And if Jesus loved you, and if Jesus, all Jesus had in mind was for you to believe the right things, he would call you home then. Because here, compared to heaven, is like a seminar on IRS tax law. Who wouldn't want to pull the fire alarm and leave, right? We often say that you are created for a purpose. But I've realized it's not quite true. You were created and redeemed for a purpose. And that's why you're still here. So what breaks your heart? I'm going to walk through a passage of the Bible that, uh, that Karen read for us. Thank you, Karen. It's a passage of the Bible that you've probably heard many times before. You've gone to a wedding, and they read this verse. But Paul didn't write it for weddings. He wrote it for the church. And so what I want to talk with is those first verses that the pastor never talks about at the wedding. And so the first passage is 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. And what Paul, he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not, do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And Paul, if you read all of Corinthians, Paul is furious with the church in Corinth. Uh, people used to say to me all the time, I used to get this all the time beginning my ministry, we should be more like the first century church. I'm like, have you read Corinthians? We don't really want to be just like the first century church, all right? Because they had issues. That was like church gone wild, all right? So Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but he's really saying, if you, if you, Corinthians, if you speak in the tongue of men and of angels but don't have love, you're only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You can be so connected with God 
that you can speak a heavenly language, that your, your prayer life is so in tune that you, you, boy, you have the heart of God, you're just praying and praying and praying, that you got, you know, your jeans are all wearing off because there's holes in the knees because you pray so much. If you don't have love, it's just, it's just noise. This is what it sounds like to God. Remember the scene from uh, Dumb and Dumber? Of course you do. When, when Lloyd says, do you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Right? Without love, that's what a prayer sounds like to God. Strong words, huh? But, but he continues. Verse 2. If I give all I possess to the poor. Oh, no, I'm sorry. If I have the gift of prophecy, I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains but don't have love, I am nothing. You can know your Bible backwards and forwards. You can know your Hezekiah from your Jeremiah, from your Hilkiah, from your Obadiah. And if you don't have love, it don't matter. It doesn't matter. If you are more concerned about making the point <coughs> instead of caring for the person that you're speaking to, it doesn't matter. Paul puts it even more strongly. He says, if I am more concerned about being right than I am about this other person, then I am nothing. I am nothing. And then he continues in verse 3. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. And you look at those verses, and you're like, wow, those are incredible acts of love. Give all I possess to the poor? Who wants to do that? If you do, see me after church, we'll talk, all right? <laughs> the old translation was, and give my body over to the flames. And this translation is, give my body over to hardship that I may boast. And that's the key. Paul's talking about someone who's giving as a publicity stunt. I'm going to give this gift so everyone can look at me and love me. And Paul says, if you do that, you gain nothing. So I wanted to write 1 Corinthians 13 as, you know, what it, Paul might have written today. And so maybe it would have been something like this. If I raise perfect children and maintain the perfect schedule and the ideal weight, but do not have love, I am nothing more than a snowblower at 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Yeah. If I drive an electric car, use cloth grocery bags, and decline any coffee that isn't free, fair trade, I am nothing more than a line cutter on a busy ski day. Because right? those guys are the worst. If I take my family to the Holy Land and leave New Testaments in every single hotel room along the way, but do not have love, I'm nothing more than a middle school girl's playlist. <laughs> and somehow along the way, 
and I blame me. Somehow along the way in the church, we've taught that following Jesus means believing in Jesus and don't do anything stupid and you're good. And somehow we've given that impression. Follow Jesus means believe in him and just don't sin, right? And so we look at our lives and then we say, you know what, I did, I did great today because I didn't look there and I didn't drink too much of that and I didn't cuss today and when I did, I only used Christian cuss words. So today was a good day. You know, like, shut the front door, right? That's a good one. Jack wagon, right? My mom's favorite was Dippo. Dippo. I only use Christian cosmos. Now good. Or even better. And today I, I read my Bible. And I prayed. I got up early. And I did all this, Lord. And you and me were good. It's all great. It's all good stuff. It's just the beginning. It's the intro lesson. And to go further, Jesus is saying... Just step out from your comfort zone. Just one step. And see where he leads you. See, devotion to God is made known, is made known by love for others. And this is a very un-Lutheran sermon. It really is not very Lutheran. If my son Prost were here, I'd be getting a pair of very poor grade right now. I'm okay with that. Because here's the tension. You are saved freely by the grace of God through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. And if you went home and said, you know what, that was an inspiring message, but I'm not going to do anything about it, you'd be fine. You're saved by God's grace and nothing we ever do. Ever. But if you do that, you're going to miss out on a ton. And I don't want you to miss out on anything. So here's the tension. For God so loved the world that he gave to you, his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. And so the Christian Walk the rhythm of faith flows a little something like this. It's, it's, here we go. God gives. He gives. And then we believe. It doesn't stop there. We give. And then they believe. Uh, Dr. Lewis Brighton put it like this. He said, you are not saved by your good works. Or as we might say today, you are not saved by your love for others. But your next door neighbor who watches you might be. God gives, we believe. And then, we don't stop there, we give. And they believe. What if the church, for the past 2,000 years, said, you know what, we're going to be the most helpful people around you. We're going to help carry burdens. 
We're to be generous. We're to help those in need. We're to walk with those who are going through a tough time. Because nobody resists that. Nobody turns that down. If you ask someone, can I pray for you? Very, very rarely will they say, no, you can't. Right? Because people who are going through a hard time will take any help they can get. And they'll say, sure, you can pray for me. I'll take it. Very rarely does anyone resist that. What people find easy to resist, though, are Christians who, who know the answers, but don't act like they care. We don't want to be that church. So, what breaks your heart? You don't have to quit your job. Don't quit your job. If you do, spend you know lots of time in prayer over it. But don't quit your. You don't have to quit your job. But you are going to have to quit something. You don't have to leave the country. But you are going to have to leave your comfort zone. And when you do, you'll find that Jesus is already there. When you find something that breaks your heart, you start to see the world that Jesus does. And so, Mercedes is going to come up. She's going to sing for us. And, and as she does, I just want you to just kind of meditate on what breaks God's heart and what might break yours. What might break yours? We're having our, our budget meeting this coming Sunday, and we're going to adopt the budget. But you should know this. The budget is a flexible working document. It's a guideline. It's not a stringent thing, all right? And so if one of you comes up to me and says, I have something that breaks my heart, and I know what I want to do, and I don't have any money to do it, though, can the church help me out? My response is going to be, find one other person. Find one other person whose heart is broken over the same thing. As uh, Michael Berry has taught me, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So find one other person. And if you do, and you need money for the church to get that ministry going, we'll find it. What breaks your heart? What breaks Jesus's? You're in Mercedes. Give me your arms for the broken hearted, the ones who are far beyond my 
Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Step out on the busy street. See a girl in our eyes meet. Does her best to smile at me, to hide what's underneath. There's a man just to her right, black suit and a bright red tie. Too ashamed to tell his wife he's out of work, he's buying time. Are all those people going somewhere? Why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, ones who are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Yeah. 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 I've been there a million times, a couple of million eyes. Just moving past me by, I swear I never thought that I was wrong. Well, I want a second glance, so give me a second chance to see the way you see your people all along. Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, ones who are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, ones who find me on my bridge. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Yeah. 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 stretch out uh, with, with our hands and your courage and your power. Lord Jesus, um, it's a big step for a lot of us here. Um, so Lord, um, it's, we pray for direction that you would lead, that you would guide. We pray for healing for hearts that have been broken long ago that still need to be healed. Lord, we know that you will do that. And Lord, we ask that in that process, you would give us your eyes to see your world. Because you love them. You know that, Lord, because you love us. 
Thanks. Amen. Stand and sing our closing song.